And welcome back to the Biased Opinion uh, Sports Podcast. Jamison here after uh, Championship Sunday, where the Chiefs and 49ers punched their ticket to the Super Bowl, a rematch of the Super Bowl from a few years ago. Seamus, uh, what are your opening thoughts after uh, these two games? Yeah, I, uh, Chiefs get the win. I think uh, Chiefs defense definitely was the uh, story of that game. Uh, they made Lamar and the Ravens' offense look pretty pedestrian. Uh, Kelsey also had a nice game again. Uh, but it feels like everyone's talking about Mahomes, which I understand. He's the best player in the league and star quarterback. And everyone's like, oh, he's, you know, greatest player of all time, maybe. Uh, he's the best player I've ever seen in my lifetime. But I think Mahomes was pretty mediocre today. I don't think it was probably in the top 50 Patrick Mahomes games of all time. Um. Definitely not the best we've seen him play in the playoffs. Uh, I thought he was a lot better last week against the Bills. Uh, didn't think he really was too much of a difference maker today outside of uh, the throw to MVS at the end of the game was nice, but it was really a nice catch more than a nice throw. Um, and then uh, the 49ers beat the Lions 34-31. to Big comeback in that game. Uh, I was pretty impressed in, by the second half play of Brock Purdy and the whole 49ers offense. Uh, and I think the story of that game is, one, how 49ers offense, maybe a lot of people, I think there's some criticisms that Purdy is a game manager, rely too much on the run, and Christian McCaffrey, and they're not built to play from behind. But uh, clearly today, I think they showed that they have no issue playing and coming back and winning uh, when down big. So uh, I was impressed in that regard, and I thought there were money on third down coming back and then uh, also the Lions coaching staff particularly Dan Campbell their head coach just an abysmal abysmal the moment was too big for Dan Campbell I it was an abysmal performance from him uh, the decisions on fourth down I, I don't know what he was doing um, not impressed and it seemed like that team just lost all their discipline all all their momentum and their culture and the teamwork that they preach I think it went out the window uh, the minute that the 49ers started started humming. Uh, the, the Lions, it seemed like when when Kraft hit the fan, the Lions had no no answer whatsoever. Um, and I think there's one too many. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was waving goodbye to the crowd with the 49ers crowd with like 10 minutes left in the second quarter or something. And I think that's kind of a lack of discipline. And I think that's a trap that you kind of create for yourself when you're a coach like Dan Campbell. I think Mike Tomlin runs into that a little bit. Uh, when you're the player's coach type, I think at a certain point, discipline matters. And I think that showed today. It was just undisciplined in the second half. And uh, that was kind of the story of the game. The 49ers took control and the Lions had no answer. Um, but yeah, two, the NFC, NFC Conference Championship, much more entertaining than the AFC Conference Championship. Uh, it, was, it was pretty entertaining uh, overall, that second game. First game, Chiefs-Ravens, pretty dull, but Chiefs get the job done for which feels like the fifth year in a row or whatever. Um, good game overall, I guess. Good day of football. Yeah, I think uh, preseason podcast, I made my feelings known for uh, Brock Purdy. I'm definitely not a fan of Brock Purdy, and I think I said he was the last pick in the draft for a reason, and I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with him. So I guess we have one more game to find out if I have to eat those words. But I think uh, Brock is a little, little fortunate to even have been playing today. Uh, I think last week against the Packers, I think the, if the Packers were a bit more experienced, they would have found a way to win that game, I think. They were the better team pretty much for the first, like, 50 minutes of that game. I think the first three possessions they had, 
all were inside the red zone and only came away with six points. And then at the end of the game, I think they had had the ball, I think uh, first and 10 on the San Francisco 25-yard line with seven minutes left, up by four and missed a field goal. So if they were able to show a little bit more experience there and get a touchdown, that, that game would have been over. And then Brock Purdy was in the rain. Pretty p- terrible performance, uh, throwing balls at Packers guys, and they're just dropping them. Uh, in the end, Jordan Love didn't make enough plays and kind of cost his team the game in the fourth quarter that way. But So Brock Purdy survived that one. And then today, uh, up until that, that deep ball to Ayuk, before he threw that deep ball, he was 11 for 21 for 153 yards and interceptions. So he wasn't really lighting the world on fire at all today. And then throws a deep ball down the field, hits off Ryan's helmet, Ayuk catches it, and that was kind of that was kind of game over from there. And then Brock had a bunch of nice plays, uh, throwing the ball and running the ball. Um, so you have to give Brock credit there. I think Packers won. I can't really give him that much credit for. I think he was kind of fortunate to escape through that one. Uh, and his team is just so stacked around him. It's kind of hard to give him that much of the credit. But at the same time, I guess it's not his fault. But, yeah, I think the Lions today, they just – they were kind of allergic to going to the Super Bowl. They were not, not ready for the moment, as you said. I don't – some of the coaching decisions, I think 24 to 10, I think you have to kick that field goal to make it 27 to 10 and then see what happens. Because I think Brock, when Brock was down in the first half and he was doing drop back passes, the Lions were kind of playing some decent defense. So if you kind of turn Brock into a predictable passer, I don't think, I think you can kind of defend him that way. But once you kind of go for it there and it's still 24 to 10, the 49ers still have kind of every play at their, at their disposal. And then when it was 24 to 27-24, I didn't mind going for it because if you kick a field goal and tie it, like, good chance that the 49ers take the lead anyway. So I didn't mind going for the touchdown there. But, yeah, I don't know. Brock is a – he's a tough one to judge. But today, after that deep ball tie, he was, he was pretty money. And I don't think that pass should have been picked off. It was a pretty hard interception, but definitely a good stroke of luck that you – I guess the top players need from time to time. So I guess we'll see on the biggest stage if he can outdo Mahomes. But – yeah, I guess he's, I guess he's in the Super Bowl. You can't really say much more than that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, first half was definitely pretty ugly from Brock, uh, but second half I was impressed. He kept third down. It felt like every third down in the second half he'd find a way to move the chains uh, for the most part, at least to get them into field goal range, and that was impressive. Uh, I thought um, the other day, and he's not he's not Pat Mahomes by any means, but uh, I think I thought he played better today than Lamar Jackson did. I thought he played better today than Jared Goff did. And, uh, I definitely think the 49ers earned that spot to move on to the Super Bowl. Um, which, speaking of Lamar, I kind of want to talk about Lamar a little bit. Uh, Lamar Jackson, playoff-wise in his career, pretty ugly resume. Uh, last week, he beat the Texans, who probably shouldn't have I don't think anyone expected them to be in the playoffs to begin with. Rookie QB, um, they won by a lot, but it was. I don't really think Lamar was the difference maker in that one. I think that's Texans probably were just happy to be there at that point. Um, I wouldn't consider that exactly like a signature playoff win for Lamar to take down a rookie QB and the Houston Texans were the worst team in the league last year, pretty much. Um, and then today, I thought he was abysmal against the Chiefs. Um, and I thought the game plan by the Ravens in general was pretty awful. Uh, the Chiefs have top three passing de- defense and a bottom three rushing defense this year. 
And the Ravens came out here and they threw 37 passes with Lamar and their running backs, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill combined for six carries. Gus got three leading rusher on the team that led the league in rushing this year, which is the Ravens. He got three carries in this playoff game against a team that is elite against the pass and bad against the run. So I don't get that. I think that was horrible coaching. And then Justice Hill randomly getting three carries all in the first half. Uh, I think at the end of the first half, I think it was Justice Hill three carries, Gus Edwards one carry. Don't understand where that I – don't, I don't get the coaching there. Justice Hill is not a good player. He's a special teams guy and borderline NFL running back. There's no way he should be getting as many touches as he did today. Three carries is too many. Four catches, too many. Uh, seven touches for Justice Hill in a playoff game for no reason. Gus Edwards only getting three. I know Gus Edwards isn't exactly – Adrian Peterson out there, but he's a good running back for what he is. Uh, bare minimum, he's serviceable, which is better than what you could say about Justice Hill, probably. And I mean, he's the leading rusher on the team that led the league in rushing yards this season. Uh, and yeah, three carries for twenty yards. I don't, I don't get what the game plan was there. Through the air, Lamar was pretty brutal. Uh, kind of felt like he forgot how to play QB a couple times. Chucking it into triple coverage to Isaiah Likely to pretty much steal the game was terrible, terrible interception. Um, kind of felt like he was playing just to draw a P.I. And the receivers aren't great, but they're not as – I mean, it was bad today. It was bad for Lamar. Uh, so I was pretty disappointed by that performance, um, especially because it, it kind of felt like going into the game, everyone was like, oh, this year's different for Lamar. This year's different. He's a new player. He's better at passer or whatever. Didn't see it. Kind of felt like more of the same. Um See, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the Chiefs-Ravens game, but I will say the Chiefs being bad against the run and great against the pass, I think it it's a very, very good matchup for the 49ers uh, offensively just because as much as I was impressed by Brock today, Christian McCaffrey, best running back in the league, probably completely undebatable, I would say. I don't think anyone comes even close to his uh, skill level at this point. He's at his absolute peak as a player probably, and – I don't know if the Chiefs will have an answer for him. He had 90 yards and two touchdowns today and then like 40-something yards receiving. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be a huge McCaffrey game in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I think I think offensively the Niners match up pretty well with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, but going back to uh, Lamar, and it was disappointing because it was really set up for him to have his you know legacy game and make it to his first Super Bowl and, you know, Lamar breakout party and, I mean, this year he won a second MVP. He got paid in the offseason. And last year he had, you know, tough falling out with, like, the front office. And I think that last year he, like, stopped playing at the end of the season. And then he came back this year better than ever. And his team got a bye. So you can't – his team got a bye in a cupcake first-round playoff game. So they went 13-4, and four, gets a bye, comes out, dominate the Texans, played pretty good in that game. So he has a bunch of confidence going into this game. Chiefs, yes, they have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and they've been this – They've been the best team in the league for the last five years or so, but they haven't they haven't been blowing teams out. I mean, they're definitely beatable. Uh, they're vulnerable, and at home, that's just a game that you gotta you gotta win if you want to take the next step in your career. And today, I mean, comes out first drive, three plays, three yards. They pump three and out. I mean, he's not exactly not exactly setting the tone. He uh, strip sacked in the first half as well. Didn't lead to any points for the Chiefs, but still not not ideal. And then. I mean, the second half, his defense absolutely shut down the Chiefs. I don't know if the Chiefs were calling plays so that they just want to turn the ball over because they knew that the 
Lamar wasn't going to do anything with it, but he has to give the Ravens defense credit in the second half. They came out and I think the only thing the Chiefs had more than like seven yards of total offense until that last play, at least. So second half, Chiefs come out three and out, and then Lamar down 17-7 in the third quarter, three and out. Doesn't really put any scoreboard pressure on the Chiefs. Chiefs punt the ball right back to him, and he uh, goes seven plays for 31 yards and then punts at, punts at midfield, so doesn't put any more scoreboard pressure on him. And then in the at the uh, the third drive, that's when Zay Flowers fumbles at, at, at the goal line, which is kind of embarrassing. He kind of made a big play, then had a taunting call, which I guess I get why people get mad at taunting calls, but, I mean, you can't just have a guy – just do that and not doing anything. I think you have to kind of call that one. So they still make up the yards of the taunting call penalty. All right, we can't blame the for that fumbling on the one yard line, so I won't do that. So it's still seventeen to seven. Everyone thinks the game's over at that point, uh, but the Chiefs punt it right back to him, and then Lamar goes on a twelve play, seventy four yard drive that ends start on his own one yard line, and it ends in a pretty awful interception. I mean, he's throwing it into triple coverage, three guys. Uh, it was. Second down, so he didn't really need to do that. And, I mean, that's three drives. Well, take away the drive that of, of the fumble. It wasn't his fault. Three drives at 17-7, where if he just puts points on the boards, it really really puts pressure on the Chiefs to do something more than just punt it right back to him. And he just was never really able, never really able to get the momentum going. And I think those, those three drives, I think when you're the league MVP, trying to get to your first Super Bowl, uh, and you're trying to kill a playoff narrative that I think after today is rightly attached to your name. That's just not, that's not acceptable. Yeah, it was, um, it, it was a bad performance from Lamar overall. I think he was, I was very disappointed. It was, it made for a pretty boring, uh, second half in that game. He just, I don't know. And I think the Ravens too, as a, as a team were in, poorly coached maybe and undisciplined and mentally rattled. It seemed like the entire game, like it's just so many dumb mistakes. Uh, so many from Lamar to Zay flowers, getting a taunting penalty and then fumbling and then hurting himself, punching the bench or whatever. Like it's a lot of dumb mistakes. Uh, so many stupid penalties throughout the game. It seemed like it's, when they, when they went off sides uh, at the end of the game and they got a, unnecessary roughness call instead of an offsides call on the intention. Like, I don't know what they're doing. It was just a uh, team, like a team that wasn't prepared or ready to play at all. Um, and I mean, I don't know. It's the Chiefs, it feels like it's been at this point, it feels inevitable that they're going to be the team that comes out of the AFC. Uh, and yeah, it didn't feel like these were the two best teams in the AFC though. I felt like last week's Chiefs Bills game was the AFC title game. The Ravens, very disappointing all around. I did. I was not impressed by their defense. They did play well in the second half, but I mean, they couldn't guard Travis Kelsey. Uh, they played well against the run, which I think that's a weakness that the Chiefs have too. I'm not a believer in their run game. I don't think Pacheco is very good at all. I think he has went from a guy that I mean, he was a seventh round pick or whatever, and he, he's not exactly a talented runner, I don't think. He's just head down, runs hard, which I respect him for that, but it's not exactly game-breaking by any means. And nobody's nobody's game-planning around Pacheco. Um, and he's not exactly a guy I would trust to burn clock at the end of a game either, uh, if I'm Andy Reid um, in the Super Bowl. So 
I don't know. I the Chiefs as good of a win win as it was, uh, at least for the defense and for Kelsey. Kelsey's been fantastic these playoffs. After kind of a what people thought was maybe a down year, it's, it kind of reminds me of like an NBA player flipping the switch maybe come playoff time, like LeBron or something. Uh, Kelsey, it seems right back to Travis Kelsey that we're used to um, so far in these playoffs. But I don't know. I'm like you said, the Chiefs are definitely beatable. Um, it's not like this is some like intimidating juggernaut of a team that the 49ers are going to be overmatched. I and mean, the 49ers are minus two and a half, I think, in this game, uh, the Super Bowl. And I just, as as unimpressed as I was by the Ravens and Lamar today, I was not, the Chiefs did not blow me away. They couldn't score a point in the second half. They couldn't run the ball. Uh, and honestly, like their defense, as well as they were covering some of these Ravens wideouts, if OBJ is your best wideout, He's he's had like three torn ACLs. He's like 32, and he's playing injured right now. If if oh, the corpse of Odell Beckham is the best guy that you're locking up, like, it's not exactly you're not exactly going up against prime Randy Moss. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not sold that the AFC is putting out uh, as good of a team as it feels like. The, it feels like the last 25 years that we've seen the AFC has put out an elite team every year. Uh, and this year, I'm not sold. I'm not sold at all. I mean, the Ravens played a pretty horrible division with three backup QBs, uh, and they were the one seed, and they looked horrible. Uh, and they beat a rookie QB to get to this game. And the Chiefs, they beat the Bills, and I think that was the AFC title game, as to be honest with you, the Chiefs-Bills title game. But overall, wouldn't feel too optimistic about either of these teams heading into the next game. I guess the Chiefs defense played well, but I don't know how – I don't know how – I think that could be a little bit of a fraudulent performance given how bad the Rams receivers played and how bad Lamar played. And I don't know if that was due to good defense or just Lamar not being that guy when it matters the most in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the Chiefs defense has been pretty good, though, this season. And they have been – I mean, they were clearly the much better coach team today. I mean, they didn't really have any big penalties and they didn't really hurt themselves. And that was – like the Ravens they just weren't a team that was ready to meet the moment. and. I don't know, I guess for the Super Bowl, I guess what I'm seeing in this postseason is the team that you'd rather have the coach and the quarterback, they're kind of they're winning more of these games than not. I guess today, I don't know, I'd rather golfers Purdy. I guess most people would not rather have Purdy, so if you want to, they'd much rather have Shanahan than Campbell. So today you'd argue that both teams, quarterback and coach, the better quarterback and coach won in both teams' games, I guess you could say, and a lot of that happened. Uh, last weekend as well in the divisional round. So I guess in the Super Bowl, it's kind of hard to – I guess I do think that the 49ers are overall like a better team. But uh, I'm not going to – I think I think the Chiefs are showing a little bit of, you know, Patriots dynasty vibes in a way. Like all these mistakes that the Ravens are making today, like you saw a lot of those teams making those mistakes uh, against the Patriots as well. And a lot of the breaks that kind of go for the Chiefs. Uh, also went for the Patriots as well in their dynasty. And, like, that doesn't just happen by chance. Uh, it happens with, you know, if you're prepared and you're, right, and you're ready to take advantage of those situations. And, like, Mahomes today, like, he didn't have a great game, but at the beginning of the game, he was pretty on point, and he kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. And then in the third quarter and fourth quarter, he didn't really make enough that many plays, but he didn't make any losing plays. I mean, the Lions, they're dropping footballs and fumbling and stuff like that. that I mean, those are – those are losing plays in the Chiefs today. I mean, if they fumble a ball like the Lions did on their own 25, 
think that's a much different game if something like that happens, but the Chiefs aren't really making those mistakes. So, I don't know. I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win, uh, just kind of based off of my original uh, Brock Purdy uh, take, which may or may not have to be uh, revised at some point. But I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Chiefs because I, I I believe in Mahomes and Andy Reid more than Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan. And then Kyle Shanahan today, I mean, he's even more so than Brock Purdy. I think has been let off the hook uh, the last two games. I mean, he was definitely outcoached uh, against the Packers. Uh, he just had more talent in the end that kind of showed through over the 60 minutes. And then today, I mean, the first half, he didn't really have his team ready to play. Outcoached for the first half. And then, I mean, I don't really think you can say he outcoached Dan Campbell in the second half. I just think Dan Campbell just completely negatively coached his team. Not really Kyle Shanahan positively coaching his team, if that makes any sense. And then, yeah, Kyle Shanahan, I think in the, these two teams played in the Super Bowl a few years ago. I don't remember the game. Like the back of my hand, like the back of my hand, but I think the 49ers are up by like 10 points or so, maybe in the fourth quarter, and he kind of blew that. And then um, everyone kind of ties his name to the 20 to 3 uh, Patriots Falcons game where I think he was the offensive coordinator, maybe for the Falcons, and maybe didn't handle the third, late third quarter, fourth quarter the best he could. So I'm not totally convinced on Kyle Shanahan as the rest of these people are. Uh, also, I don't know. I don't, I don't follow 49ers football all that closely, but so I don't know if it was him or the GM, but someone decided to trade three first-round picks for Trey Lance. So I'm just going to assume that he had some part to do with that. Um, so I'm not – I think Kyle Shanahan's a little overrated, and, you know, as I would definitely be very happy if Brock Purdy lost the last two weeks. It would prove my take right. But I think even more so than Brock Purdy kind of getting jail out of free card the last few games and – Brock Purdy's one playing. He's the one that kind of uh, today he he gave him he created whatever legacy he can create for himself today. But Kyle Shanahan has been completely uh, gonna he he got let off the hook because if he goes fourteen and three and then loses one of these two games as a heavy favorite with the much better team, I mean I don't know how he kind of sheds that. It'd be tough for him to shed that label in the future. But now he's got a chance, I guess, with one game to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, the Forty ers definitely in shaky. This week and last week, um, and I don't know if that's sleepwalking or what it is going into the game unprepared from coaching maybe. Uh, but I think Shanahan. I like Shanahan. I've been a fan of Shanahan. I like that he he's not an analytics guy. Uh, he likes to run the football, um, and he actually, I believe, not one hundred percent sure, but I believe the rumor or whatever is that John Lynch forced Shanahan or I guess John Lynch made the call to trade up for Trey Lance and Shanahan was anti uh, he was against that move and that's why he was so willing to leave Trey Lance on the bench and start Brock Purdy over him uh, not a Trey Lance believer from what I understand but who knows how true that is and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who these sources are that are leaking that. Probably Kyle Shanahan's agent, to be honest. So um who knows? But I, I have one more thing to say on the Chiefs, too, uh, and why I'm not completely sold on this team. Uh so this season I'm not the Ravens, I don't know, you can consider them I know they're the number one seed, whatever, best record in the league, maybe. Lamar has never gotten it done in a legitimate playoff game against a legitimate opponent at the end of the day. Uh, the receivers, and I'll give Lamar 
Like, I mean, it, like I said, the receivers are bad. The re- Zay Flowers, bit of a clown show today from him. Uh, he's talented, but he's a rookie, and he's not exactly rookie year Odell Beckham, who right now in his current state is should not be a number one or two receiver on a top four team in the league. It doesn't – it's bad. Um, the weapons aren't good. Uh, so, I guess the Chiefs shut down the Ravens today, but I'm not sold that this offense is – a tough offense to shut down. Uh, and I think they were horribly coached today also. Last week against the Bills, Bills scored three touchdowns. Should have had, should have had more if Stefan Diggs could catch. Uh, not exactly convincing performance uh, from the Chiefs, and it should have gone to OT if the kicker could hit a field goal that he made 40 times in the regular season. So not sold on the Chiefs' defense uh, or the team overall in that Bills game. Uh, but that is definitely their best win on the season, 27-24, divisional round winning in Buffalo. Uh, beat the Dolphins in the wild card round. I've said it a million times on this podcast. I think Tua's probably the biggest fraud going in the NFL right now. Dolphins are a gimmick team, gimmick offense. Felt like they were a one-man show, horrible defense. Um, not surprised at all. They went into Arrowhead in the freezing cold and couldn't get it done. Not really counting that game as all that great of a win, uh, although some people might. And then before this, before the wild came around, the regular season was pretty bad for the Chiefs. They did not beat – they did not have a single impressive win, I don't think. Uh, week 17, was a, it was like Blaine Gabbard versus Easton Stick. They won, doesn't matter. Uh, they beat Jake Browning by one score at home the week before. They lost to Aiden O'Connell at home the week before that. Uh, they beat Bailey Zappi by 10 points. So that was a nice win, I guess. Before that, they lost to Josh Allen at home. Uh, before that, they lost to Jordan Love uh, in Green Bay. Before that, they did beat Aiden O'Connell by two touchdowns. So that's a big win, I guess you could say, beating Aiden O'Connell in November. Uh, before that, lost to the Eagles. Before that, beat the Dolphins at home. Like I said, Dolphins, fraudulent, don't believe in them. Uh, as a good team that they were hyped up to be. I think they just beat up on team crappy teams like the Jets and the Pats, and uh, it looked pretty abysmal against any real team that they ended up facing. So one-man show, don't really count that as a great win. Um, lost to the Broncos in Denver before that. Uh, they, did beat, they did beat Justin Herbert in Kansas City in October, but the Chargers are a bad team. So not exactly – I don't think that's some crazy – Huge win, beating Justin Herbert in October. Uh, beat Russell Wilson by, like, nine points in October. Beat the Vikings by a touchdown. Beat the Jets by three. Beat the Bears. Beat the Jaguars. And then they lost to the Lions in the opening week of the season. There was no throat that Like, Jaguars, Bears, Jets, Vikings, Broncos, Chargers, not good teams. They're not, they did not beat a single good team. Patriots. Bad teams, Raiders, like there was a lot of bad wins. And then when they faced good teams, like the Bills, they were not great. They were shaky, lost most of them, lost majority of the good game, the good teams they faced. They lost the majority of the games that they played. Uh, so I'm not, I'm just not sold on this Chiefs team. And I know that, like I said, Travis Kelsey seems to have taken it to another level in the playoffs. Maybe they flip a switch nowadays. Maybe they've gone to the point where they're coasting the regular season and they flip a switch. But I wasn't impressed with their performance against the Bills last week. I thought the Bills very – it was similar to the Lions where, like, they, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for that team. I thought Josh Allen outplayed Pat Mahomes. 
Uh, I thought Josh Allen's team failed him in every way. I mean, the Bills head coach called a trick play to DeMar Hamlin. Like, what is that? What are we doing? That's Bush League. Um, and they still should have sent that game at the OT if the kicker had any ability to make a clutch kick whatsoever. It, I mean, the moment was too big, I guess you could say. And that's the story of the Bills franchise for as long as it's existed. But um, and that's been the story of Chiefs versus Bills in the playoffs since Mahomes and Josh Allen have risen to stardom. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sold on the Chiefs as a team. I don't think they really have a – that the Bills' divisional round win is the only win on their schedule that I can say is a legitimately great win. And other than that – I don't think they have a great win on the schedule. And I, I think they've played poorly in majority of the big games that they've played in this season. Um, so yeah, I'm not sold. I don't think it's, I think it's the worst chiefs team that we've seen in a while. Um, I think Mahomes is playing worse than he has in a while. I think the weapons are worse than they've been in a while, which definitely plays into it. Um, but yeah, he's the best player in the league. Andy Reid's probably the best coach in the league right now. So Going to the Super Bowl, you have to respect that. But if there's going to be a year where the Chiefs are vulnerable, this should be the year. Lamar, Josh Allen, and Tua. I I think Josh Allen did what he could. Lamar and Tua unable to take advantage of it. Josh Allen and his teammates unable to take advantage of it. I think the 49ers can get it done. I think of of those four teams, the 49ers have the best coach by far. Um, I think they have the most talent by far. And I think, really, they're the most – of those four teams, they're, they're the most experienced in big moments. Like, this 49ers coaching staff – like, Shannon, I mean, they've, they've been in the NFC title game like nine times since 2010 or something ridiculous like that. Like, this team has played a lot of playoff games. They've played in a lot of big games. They've played a lot of playoff football. So, yeah, and I think they match up well. Like I said earlier, I think Chiefs can't stop the run, and the 49ers thrive on that. So, I don't know. I, I'm taking the 49ers. I think it's their year. I think they're due. Uh, and I think Brock Purdy has a solid game, but I think McCaffrey has legacy game for Christian McCaffrey. One, one that will be talked about for a long time. Yeah, so I don't know if this is going to make any sense or not, but I'm going to try and compare the uh, Chiefs to the 2018 Patriots, the Brady's sixth ring against the Rams. So the Chiefs, uh, the Patriots, and I don't know, like you said, the Chiefs don't have any good wins this year, and I can't, they haven't had a great year and stuff like that. I can't really argue against that. The uh, Patriots in 2018, I don't know, like the landscape of the league. I don't remember the landscape of the league well enough to say, like, this was a great win or that was a great win, but Patriots that year started one and two with losses at Jacksonville and at Detroit on Sunday Night Football, where I think Detroit, that was the old Lions, and they kind of killed the Patriots that game. And then. In weeks 14 and 15, Patriots lost back-to-back games against the Dolphins and the Steelers, and that might have been that one where Gronk tried to make a tackle. I think that was that was that year maybe, or maybe it was a different year, but I think it was that year. And then so the the Patriots were 9-5 and five, uh, after 14 games, and the Chiefs this year exactly 9-5 and five after 14 games. And the Patriots uh, ended up beating the Chargers in the divisional round of the playoffs. That sounds like a kind of a cupcake game just kind of based on the Chargers' history. Looking at it now, it was only like a three-and-a-half-point spread. You know, the Patriots kind of cruised in that one. I guess you can kind of compare that to the Chiefs game against the Dolphins in the in the cold-weather game. And then Chiefs went, the Patriots went at the Chiefs in the Commerce Championship game. And I think a lot of people – I think the Chiefs are probably favored uh, 
by a, like a small margin in the field goal, so two and a half points, something like that. I think a lot of people expected the Chiefs to win that game, and the Patriots won, even though not a lot of people expected that. And then I don't think the Rams were – I think the 49ers this year are a better team than the Rams uh, in the 2018 Bowl. So that's not a great comparison. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, the Chiefs this year don't exactly look great, but when it kind of matters the most, playing well. And I don't think, like, the regular season, like, who you beat – I don't really think that makes a big difference this time of year. Especially when, like, you look at the uh, – talking about the Chiefs defense maybe being a little overrated. I think the 49ers defense might be that much more overrated. I mean, Packers last week kind of moving the ball off the field. And then today, I mean, the Lions were kind of doing whatever they wanted to for, I mean, 20 or 30, 35 minutes, 40 minutes. So, And then the biggest game of the season this year was on Christmas – 49ers against the Ravens, and Lamar was kind of doing whatever he wanted in that game as well. So I'm not exactly sold that the 49ers defense is as good as the names that they have on that defense. So they definitely have a lot of star players, but uh, in their biggest games this year, you know, the Packers, Lions, uh, Ravens, I'm not really, they haven't really been that, that smothering. So I don't know. In terms of like the who you beat argument, I don't really like that one for this game because I don't even know who the uh, – who are the 49 who are the who have the 49ers beaten that's been any good this year? When you start looking at teams, you can easily like nip pick them. I mean, Dallas early in the season, I mean that was probably a big win, but we saw how they flamed out in the playoffs. And then the Eagles, I mean that was a big win at that time. I think the Eagles were ten and one. But I mean we saw how they, they couldn't even handle a blitz late in the season. So that was a pretty bad ending of the season for the for the Eagles. So I'm gonna say that the uh Chiefs not winning a big game or their defense not to scratch. I don't I think you can kind of say the same thing for the 49ers in a way. And then the defense, they haven't given, I mean, they haven't really given up. I think the, also the Chiefs defense, like they don't really need to be all that great. I feel like, I mean, yeah, against Buffalo, they didn't really, they didn't look great. I saw the same thing. Josh Allen was moving up and down the field for a lot of that game. But at the end of the day, they only give up 24 points. And I think if you offer the Chiefs, I mean, this year it wouldn't work out so well, but I think in the biggest moment, in the biggest game, this one being the Super Bowl, I think if you offer the Chiefs to give up only 24 points, I think they'll take their chance that Mahomes could either get 24 at worst than it's overtime or 25 is a weird number, but get more than 24 points and win the game. So I think if the Chiefs defense can kind of just keep teams under that 24 number, I mean, they uh, against the Bengals, they gave up 17, then 20, they gave up 17 the game before that. Uh, they gave up 20 to Buffalo in the regular season. They lost that game. And then the last time they gave up more than 24 was against Green Bay in December. So I think the defense has been kind of fine this year. And uh, the point total that they're giving up is not, not that big. And I think if they can kind of keep uh, San Francisco within striking distance, um, I think they'll take their chances. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um I think that our, yeah, the, I guess the who have you beat argument can be made for both teams uh, to a certain degree. I will say my prediction too. I just think at the end of the day, the 49ers, I think on paper should be able to run the ball at will against this Chiefs team. Whereas the Chiefs on the flip side, I don't think they'll be able to get anything going on the ground. So if, I think their path to winning, which is the best player in the league. One of the best players ever already. Um, I think it's going to 100% rely on Pat Mahomes to win them the game. But 
I think if Brock Purdy can take care of the football, it's not like the Chiefs offense is what it was in 2018, 2019, where they were just this high-flying air raid. Every play could go for a touchdown, slinging the ball deep to Tyreek Hill, slinging the ball deep to Travis Kelsey over the, through the seam. Like, it's not. It's a lot of five-yard, quick, quick timing, like, slant. It's, it, it's game manager football, which is fine that's the way the league is going with the defenses sitting back in the deep zone or whatever. But it's not play style-wise. I don't think the Chiefs' offense is all that different from what the 49ers are doing in the passing game. Um, the issue, the difference obviously being Pat Mahomes versus Brock Purdy. But if Brock Purdy takes care of the football, they can run the ball at will. I just – I don't see the Chiefs being able to run the ball at will. And I, I – Pat Mahomes needs to be perfect, I think, to consistently move the ball. Like, I didn't see that today, and I think he got bailed out a little bit by Lamar completely crapping the bed um, and just being not, – not making smart decisions. And if Brock Purdy can avoid that trap, take care of the football, don't throw it to triple coverage to your backup tight end, uh, don't get strip sack, don't take a dumb sack on – third down for no reason on third and one. Don't sit back there holding the ball for 20 minutes. Brock Purdy can play smart, play within the system, move the chains like he did tonight. I think the 49ers, I just, I, I can see a path to the 49ers consistently moving the ball more than I can see a path to the Chiefs consistently moving the ball down the field. Um, I think it's going to be some Pat Mahomes hero ball. And I don't know. Last time we needed, last time, Pat Mahomes, I think, needed some hero ball in the playoffs. was against the Buccaneers, and it went incredibly poorly. The Buccaneers were a well-rounded offense, and obviously Tom Brady is different than Brock Purdy. It's different. It's much different. But at the end of the day, 49ers – or the sorry, the Buccaneers in that Super Bowl can move the ball on the ground, can move the ball through the air in a ton of different ways. And they had the best QB, best player to ever play the game, sure. But – the Chiefs were relying 100% on Pat Mahomes to make magic happen, and it did not happen. And it went incredibly poorly on that side of the ball. So, I don't know. I, I just see more pathways to the 49ers moving the chains like they did tonight. I'm going to throw down. Brock Purdy using his legs, which I – and I hate to say it, but the way that Brock Purdy ran tonight reminded me of the way Pat Mahomes sometimes runs on third downs where you think he's like third and eight. Three guys get past the O-line. Think they're going to get home. You think they're going to get a sack. Chiefs are going to punt, and somehow, some way, Mahomes escapes and moves the chains. Brock Purdy did that like three times tonight, and I know that he. There's no track record of this. I've never seen Brock Purdy do this before. Maybe it's a fluke, but it was impressive. I think the way that he ran tonight was. I mean, it was it was good football. There's no other way to put it. It was every time. Every time it seemed like the the drive was going to end for the 49ers in that second half, they found a way to move the chains. So. Um, yeah, I was impressed, and I think I just think they match up well, and I think Christian McCaffrey legacy game. Uh, I think a legacy game is coming for CMC. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's all I have in the Super Bowl. Uh, do you have anything anything else to add, or should we move on to the uh, Patriots? Um, that's pretty much all I got in the Super Bowl. I actually one more thing. I think the the Taylor Swift hate. Um, I think fans need to get over it. Uh, there's like seven total seconds of Taylor Swift screen time uh, in Chiefs games at this point, and the game is three and a half hours long with two and a half plus hours at that time. So, time to get over it. 
she makes the NFL money. It's it's good for the sport as a whole when the NFL is making money and gaining viewership. So just just roll with it. It's okay if you can't see the players high five after a Travis Kelsey first down. Move on. Uh, but yeah, I'm ready to move on for the Super Bowl. Looking forward to the game. I think it'll be a good one. Um, and yeah, taking the 49ers. All right. Uh, I think that's. I don't really have much to add to the uh, Taylor Swift thing. I think for fans. I think at the beginning of the season it might have been a little bit over the top, and then people kind of, I don't know if, I don't know what the word, right word is. is. I don't know, it's like PTSD. I don't know if that's the right thing, but something like that where like people just have it, they like, expect it, and then today was not bad. I mean, it was only like, was it like one or two camera shots or something? Maybe. Maybe two. Think, uh, it was probably think, two until the post game. Yeah, I think even Jim Harbaugh got like a camera shot. Uh, uh, but I think, I think at the beginning, at the beginning it was a little, it was a little over the top, but I don't think I don't think I don't think it's been too bad recently. No, I think it's I think it's been fine recently. I think people people are overreacting a little bit, especially now. Like you said, it's like two two times a game for three seconds. It's fine. Um. All right. So the uh, Patriots moved on from uh, Bill Belichick and hired Gerard Mayo as their uh, next head coach. Uh, Seamus, what are your uh, thoughts on that? Um. Yeah, I have I have some pretty passionate thoughts, and I don't want to go on a thirty minute rant about how I feel here. Um, but I just want to say, I think, I think Robert Kraft threw Bill Belichick under the bus and I mean, for a head coach that is anyone that's worked for your company, I guess, for that long, for 23 years, whatever it is, 24 years, I think deserves respect on their way out, whatever that may be. Um, as long as, I mean, Bill Belichick didn't do anything wrong. The team had a horrible season, and they've had three down years. Uh, and it, Maybe it was time to move on, you can say that. But I think he deserves the utmost respect on the way out just for 24 years of service to this franchise. Never mind the fact that there was the greatest run in the history of professional sports took place under his watch, um, where he, according to Robert Kraft, had total control over player personnel, coaching, etc. Uh, the greatest run in sports history happened under, in this time. And it felt like rubber craft on the way out. Almost just so little, no respect whatsoever for Bill Belichick. Um, yeah, it felt like a joke. And it felt like all Robert Kraft cared about, in my opinion, was protecting his own personal, oh, best owner in sports, Bob Kraft. You know, Patriots, best organization in sports, Bob Kraft. It's the only thing he cared about. He didn't want to protect his own personal image. He only cares about what people think about Bob Kraft does not care about anyone else in that franchise, it feels like. Um, which, for me, as someone who grew up loving the Patriots, grew up loving Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady, all three of them, it was a harsh uh, reality to face, I think. And it was kind of like a, I don't know if slap in the it was like a splash of cold water on my face. Like, oh, okay, I didn't realize Robert Kraft was like this, but I I feel like I've uh, been awakened to a new version of Robert Kraft that I've never seen before uh, on the public facing side of things. Just, I don't know. He's not the guy we thought he was, I don't think. I don't think he cares about anyone but himself. Uh, I think he cares about the bottom line more than he cares about the actual on-field product at this point. Um, And Gerard Mayo, I understand that the defense wasn't the problem this year or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, he is a linebackers coach on a four-win football team. He 
has only ever played and coached for Bill Belichick in his NFL career. He's never had another boss. It's been Bill Belichick his entire career. So I don't understand if you're going to fire the greatest coach of all time, I don't understand why you would take a guy who you assume at least is, I mean, he's played and coached this whole under Bill Belichick's whole, it's, it's a very similar philosophy. It's not going to be exactly drastic change. There's not going to be a big culture shift. Um, you're not going to, you know, there's no, there's no new identity for this franchise. The identity of the franchise at the end of the day is it's a Bill Belichick disciple, which you look elsewhere across the NFL, Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia, Charlie Weiss in college at the college level, Romeo Cornell. There's been, these guys have been horrible everywhere they've gone. I, they, like it, it's been failure after failure after failure. There's, there has not been a single Belichick assistant coach to go on to another NFL head coaching job and succeed. Um, and I think – I don't understand what makes Gerard Mayo any different from the rest of the 20 other guys that have gone on to head coaching jobs and failed that have worked under Bill Belichick. But I also – the principle of firing Bill Belichick, blaming him for everything, but then promoting every single position, front office, coaching staff, defensive coordinator, off, head coach, everything being promoted from within, keeping everyone essentially besides the Belichicks. I mean, it's a pretty clear statement from Robert Kraft that he's 100% blaming them for what happened which is bizarre considering that Robert Kraft, it's pretty well documented that he's the one who made the Mac Jones pick and Mac Jones is not good. He's terrible. Um, and I, I just, it's, it feels like a contradictory thing. It feels like Bob Kraft doesn't actually care about the on-field product at this point. He just cares about protecting his reputation. Uh, I think he's going to do whatever he can to sell tickets and, win nine games next year. I don't know if he has Super Bowl aspirations. I'm very concerned about the drafts. Uh, and I loved Gerard Mayo as a player growing up. I was a Gerard Mayo fan. Liked him a lot. Uh, I have nothing against Gerard Mayo. But the guy's never even been a defensive coordinator in this league. His highest qualification is the linebacker's coach for a four-win team. At the end of the day, I don't understand how you don't interview a soul you don't interview anyone. You immediately promote him. You write into the contract ahead of time. I think it's a joke. Um, and I was super hopeful. The day this season ended, I think I told you, texted you. I think I, I was excited for what this offseason was going to bring. I was hopeful. I was optimistic. Looking forward to the draft. Looking forward to the head coaching hire. Mike Vrabel was on the market. Patriots legend. I think he's a great head coach. He's the last coach to ever beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Um, and it was in the playoffs. Um yeah, I was excited. I thought that was what the path we were going to take was. I thought we were going to hire Mike Vrabel. I thought we were going to get maybe like a Cowboys assistant GM or something. Um, but no. Bob Kraft turned his back on the greatest coach of all time. I think he turned his back on the fan base. And I think the entire process of this offseason has been a dysfunctional franchise and a return to what the Patriots were before Tom Brady and before Bill Belichick, which is not a place that I want to be at, but I think it's where we're at at this point. And it's sad. It's too bad. Yeah, that's a that's tough. I mean, I, I don't understand how you don't interview anybody either. And then the part of the contract that I don't get, like making him the successor, was like I don't understand like why you'd plan for like a failed season. Like I feel like you should be planning for successful seasons and then hoping that Bill Belichick succeeds. So there'd be no reason to like have a contract and a linebackers coach that they become the head coach. I think also I don't know how he's gonna handle an offense as well. I mean, he's never been a defensive coordinator. I mean, he's got to go out and hire an offensive coordinator and then like the 
the skill, the talent on the offense is just really bad. So I don't really know how he's going to develop an offense. And then, because he has to have more say in that now, obviously. And then, like, the big thing that got Gerard Mayo the job, I guess, is that the players love him, supposedly, I guess. But right now, I mean, the players are really bad. So, like, those aren't going to be the same players, or hopefully not, that take the Patriots to a better level they're at right now. So I don't really understand the whole, the players love him. Well, the players, they're not very good. So what does it matter that Juju Smith-Schuster loves Gerard Mayo? I mean, that doesn't really... That doesn't make a difference for me. So that part I don't really get. But what do you mean by, like, you need to show Bill Belichick more respect? I mean, he didn't fire him in the middle of the season, which I think any other coach at two and whatever gets fired. Uh, he didn't get fired in the middle of the season. What, what was supposed to happen at the – you wanted, like, a ceremony at the door? Or what, what was supposed to happen when he was done? I think the act of promoting every single person in the building and firing only him and his kid is indirectly – it's indirectly scapegoating and disrespecting the work that he put in for this team. When it's, it's just blatantly, I, I mean, for everything that's been widely reported, it's just not true that he is the only voice in the sense, since the Mac Jones pick, the idea that Bill Belichick is the, the only voice in the room for these personal decisions, et cetera, is fake news. It's false because it's, ESPN has reported that Bob Kraft forced the Patriots to make that pick. And I can't imagine that he has not been meddling in personnel decisions since then, um, along with other people that they've brought in in the front office, uh, people that have promoted recently, Jonathan Kraft, whatever. I don't, I think that total control thing, I think, went out the door after Tom Brady won that Super Bowl in Tampa and the Patriots missed playoffs with Camden. And they, Bob Kraft forced him to draft Mac Jones, and I have a hard time believing that that it stopped there. And that was the only thing that Bob Kraft meddled in. Uh, so, and it's been downhill since then. I don't think the franchise was on a bad trajectory at that point in time. Like that Cam Newton season, they missed playoffs. They were they had a very good defense. Cam Newton literally could not play anymore, and that was not the greatest quarterback option ever. But that team was like three plays away from making the playoffs. Um, and they never should have had – they had no business being there. They coming off like a four-year run of spending a ton of money. A bunch of guys left and retired and whatnot. Edelman couldn't even move at that point. The guy was – I mean, he was toast because of injuries. They had nothing left. They had no talent on that team. They should not have been where they were. Belichick had a fantastic coaching job by Belichick to even win games with that team, I think. It was, it's one of the worst rosters, um, at least the, on the offensive side of the ball, that I've seen in the NFL. The team was horrible. Um and then Bob Kraft medals in the personnel decisions, forces them to take Mac Jones, whatever. Mac Jones is horrible. Uh, it's been downhill from there. It's been awful. Uh, the franchise has clearly taken a dip culture-wise, et cetera. And I saw something about how uh, Belichick believed that Kraft kind of – Kraft meddling in personnel and Kraft dismantled the culture that he spent 20 years building. And I, I'd agree with that. I think there's been – I mean, since since Gerard Mayo took the job, there's been more noise, white noise, garbage that I don't really care for. Like, oh, we're gonna draft, we're gonna take a player at a high quality position at third overall. You can read, you can read into the rest. Like, that's Bush League, Cleveland Browns, Atlanta Falcons. You know, bad franchise type uh, quotes and like words that pop off the page and clickbait crap from the head coach. It's just. 
I'm not sure Bob Kraft has any interest in building a winning culture anymore. And I think he did. I do believe that he dismantled the culture that Belichick built. And I think on the way out, scapegoating him the way he did, directly or indirectly, I think is a joke. I think if you're going to fire Bill Belichick, you need to clean house. It's the only way to justify firing the greatest coach of all time is a drastic culture shift and a drastic change in who the face and the identity of the franchise is. You go hire an outsider or even Vrabel, who fear, like technically, I guess you can consider him outsider, but the guy's a Patriots Hall of Famer. So you, you still have that connection. You still have that Patriots tie-in, whatever. Bob Kraft clearly loves Mike Vrabel. Um, that seemed pretty obvious at his Patriots Hall of Fame induction. So I don't understand why you can't do that. And it's still a culture shift and it's a shift in the whole franchise identity. But instead, no, they only fire Bill Belichick. They promote everyone else. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a shift in franchise culture besides being a little bit more annoying when you're talking to the press and saying some useless quotes that don't really benefit you in any way besides make more people click on articles about the New England Patriots um, and just try to protect the Bob Kraft, Bob Kraft legacy uh, before he passes out the franchise to his kid, who Jonathan Kraft, in my opinion, is a clown who has no business running this football team. But I mean, we'll see how it goes, I guess. I just promoting everybody was if you're going to fire Bill Belichick, you, you should clean house. But they didn't do that. They promoted from within on every single position. And the, the offensive coordinator gig is going to go to, it sounds like, this guy, Nick Cayley who's the Rams tight end coach right now, which uh, I don't know. Do you know who the Rams tight end one is right now or how many yards yeah. this season? Uh, I do not. Yeah, it's like Tyler Higby. I think he had 300 yards. So we're promoting that they got the guru behind Tyler Higby's breakout 300 yard season. Uh, we're going to go poach him because he used to be our tight end coach, which I don't know how long ago that was, but Bob Kraft must be a fan or Jonathan Kraft. He must be boys with Jonathan Kraft because he's our guy, apparently. This guy's a guru, Nick Kelly. Um, yeah, the brain's behind Tyler Higby. So, yeah, that's where we're at. I think it's a dysfunctional franchise at this point without Bill Belichick. And I think he was scapegoated for no reason other than Bob Kraft's ego and protecting his own image. Yeah, I guess um... – I guess I can't really argue against that. I guess for right now with the offense, it's kind of a not exactly a great position. I don't, I don't know how many people are striving to be the uh, Patriots' offensive coordinator at this point, unfortunately. But I guess not really analyzing the respect part, or I guess I can't argue against promoting everybody within. But I do think Belichick probably deserved to get fired. I mean, 2022. I know you said that he's not making all these decisions anymore, but round one. I mean, we took Cole Strange. I don't. I mean. And Tyquan Thornton, first two picks. I mean, that's I mean, when you need like impact players for your roster at that point, where the franchise was. I think you, those are those are two big misses that you can't can't really have. And then this year in the draft, I mean, who's taking a kicker round four? I mean, this guy was like the worst kicker in the league, arguably. So I mean, that's you can't just absolve Bill from all blame for that. I mean, kicker one twelve overall for him to be that bad. I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty big miss. And then this year, the product was just, the product was pretty bad last year, but then this year is just a bad product. I mean, fifth, fifth game of the season, Patriots are one and three, maybe one and four. I don't know. I can't really, it says it's hard. I'll look back in a second, but the one that stuck out for me was the, uh, the Saints game, 24, nothing Patriots are losing in the third quarter and it's fourth and three. At the Saints 40 with nine minutes to go in the third quarter, and we punt. 
I mean, in modern day football, down twenty four on the opponent forty, fourth and three. You just got to, I don't know. You kind of got to go for that. I feel like, and then I feel like those press conference answers where he just mumbles into the mic and doesn't give anything away. That kind of works when it's fine to hear as a fan when your team's winning and stuff. You kind of put up with it, but you know, when the team is pretty bad, you're kind of you'd like to have a little bit more answers for that. And then this year, I mean, I don't know. The Patriots were had the third pick in the draft, so Patriots were the third worst team in the league. Bill Belichick got fired, and then he didn't get hired by anybody else. Not, I mean, there's only two job openings left. Doesn't look like he's going to get them. So, I think they're justified in firing. I think Belichick, you can definitely say, has definitely lost it a little bit. I mean, if he's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you got it makes sense that he didn't get a coaching job because he was fired from the team that finished third worst in the league. So you would assume at that point teams first worst and second worst are the only teams that he would, that you kind of go to in that mathematical equation there. So he didn't get it. All the, all other teams passed on him for younger, more dynamic options. So I don't know. I think firing him was just justifiable based on the product that he put on the field, which is a pretty, pretty poor product. And I think a lot of that, I mean, I think you could blame him for some of these draft picks, Cole Strange, Tyquan Thornton, uh, Mac Jones is not his fault, but I mean, kickers in the fourth round, punters in the sixth round. I mean, I don't know. I think it's fair to say that Belichick uh, didn't quite adapt at the times, and I don't, I don't see how he gets another head coaching job. I mean, if he's not getting hired now at seventy-one, a year removed at seventy-two, I mean, I think his only path is like if a team next year fires a coach midway through and he becomes like an interim coach somewhere, and I think maybe a team's looking for like a new, a new coach bump, and he can give it to him, but. I don't. I don't know. I mean, how, 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 what's his pathway back into the league? And if nobody else wants him, I think it kind of shows that we were mo- right to move on from him. I think right to move on from him, I can live with, but I don't. If you promote everyone from within, it still makes, on principle, it makes no sense to me. Just because if you're firing him for a four thirteen season, why are you rewarding everyone else that was part of that four thirteen season? I don't, I don't get that, but I can, I can understand what you're, what you're saying with uh, maybe he deserves to be fired um, because it has been several disappointing to horrible seasons in a row. But I also think at the end of the day, the defense, when healthy, is one of the best defenses in the league still. He's made some very good defensive draft picks. Made some, Judon signing was fantastic. Christian Gonzalez draft pick when he was healthy. Guy was on his way to winning defensive rookie of the year. Um, and like it is what it is. The, the offense was a failure in every sense. There was not a single thing that went right, went right with the the personnel, the coaching on offense. It's been horrible um, since Brady left. It's gone wrong in every way it could have gone wrong. But once again, Kraft meddled in that. Um, and I don't know. And, and Belichick could have worked around that. He could have. He could have overcome that for sure. Uh, if the QB is no good, the QB is not a leader. I think it's really hard to win in this league. Um, I forgot to I, I, forgot, I forgot to add. He also hired who hired Joe Joe Judge and Matt Patricia to run the offense last year. Was that uh, those Rob- guys are better than Bill O'Brien, who he was bullied into hiring this year? Yeah, but, was a, and I don't I don't think they're that much worse than just what Josh McDaniels was doing on offense. It really wasn't that much of a drop off. Wasn't the it QB Bill- just sucked? Isn't it Bill's job to find a better offense coordinator than 
Matt Patricia and Joe Judge? I don't think Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I, I think the quarterback made them look bad, just like they made Bill O'Brien look bad. And Josh McDaniels got a head coaching job because Mac Jones had like three good games at the end of his rookie season. Uh, and good might be a reach. But at the end of the day, that guy's the best win of his career is when he threw two passes or whatever against the Bills. Like, they, they don't have a QB. There's no talent to work with. I, I genuinely don't think Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, I think they were scapegoated, similar to how Bill's getting scapegoated now. They weren't the problem with that team in any way, I don't think. They're not the reason the Patriots were bad that year. The quarterback was horrible. The alleged talent that they brought in was not what was advertised. Um, not a single one of those players that they pay big money to besides Judon played was, is good. They're, they're just a bunch of mediocre to bad players. Hunter Henry is probably the second best of the, that group. I, I don't know what Hunter Henry is, a mediocre NFL tight end. Like he's not moving the needle. Um, that offense, they had nothing to work with They're I, I don't even know who was playing running back for them. It, it was, it was a bad offense. Um, which yes, it falls back on Bill because he controls player personnel. I'm fine with I'm fine with firing Bill, but I, I think the Joe Judge Matt Patricia thing was blown out of proportion, especially considering when you bring in a real quotation mark uh, offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien this year, and the offense gets historically worse without much change in personnel. It takes a dive from bad, below average to bad, from that to the worst offense the league has seen in decades. Uh, I don't think it's on those guys. Say what you want. I understand their reputations across the league for their head coaching failures, which reminds me again of the Gerard Mayo situation we're currently in. Um, but I, I really don't think they were at fault for that uh, failure of the season. I think Mac Jones and that whole draft pick, at the end of the day, like quarterback is the most important your quarterback dictates where your franchise goes more than your head coach, more than your coordinators, more than your GM. It's, the quarterback is the most important thing in the NFL right now. Uh, and I think it has been for a while. And the Patriots were stuck with what I would say is probably the worst QB in the league, bottom three. Um, but on top of that, he has an attitude problem. He's not a leader. He complains and cries and mopes. And I, I don't know. It was a joke of a situation in that QB room. It was a joke. Uh, and, I think anyone who's coaching that team is set up to fail because of that guy in their center. Because at the end of the day, I think it starts and ends with the QB uh, in the NFL. A lot of a lot of bad coaches can get by with a fantastic QB, and a lot of great coaches can look bad with bad QBs. So I don't know. It, they were kind of set up to fail. Um, and Bill Belichick could have adapted and built around Mac Jones. Sure, could have had a better team around a guy that's below average and been serviceable, whatever kind of like how they did with Cam Newton or how they did with Mac Jones as rookie year, but it's – I think Bob Kraft making that Mac Jones pick set the franchise back, and he, he his ego was hurt by that, and he wanted to throw Bill under the bus. But at the end of the day, that's the worst thing to happen to the Patriots in the past 25 years was the Mac Jones draft pick, and I don't think it's remotely close because you're tied to a horrible quarterback for three years because he was a first-round pick, and – tore down the whole culture and everything that had been built over the last 25 years, that pick alone, it was bar none. So I think Kraft deserves a lot of the blame, um, but he would never admit that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's time for the Kraft to stop meddling in football operations and stick to 
selling paper clips or whatever they did before they bought the parking lot in Foxborough and focused on ticket sales, maybe. I guess, uh, lastly, before we leave, what would you, uh, I know we still have a draft episode to do, what would you do with the uh, third overall pick? I mean, this one, you kind of, if you think that drafting Mac Jones at 15 overall set the organization, organization back however many years, I think if you get the uh, third overall pick wrong, it's going to set the organization back even, you know, that many years multiplied by the factor of whatever you want to put there. So, I don't know, would you uh, take a quarterback here? Would you maybe even trade down and get some more draft capital? I don't know, if like a trade somewhere in between, like, with, I mean, teams can get stupid and trade up like the Panthers did last year, teams did for Trey, Trey Lance, you can get multiple first-round picks, something like that. I don't know, would you... uh take a quarterback third overall uh take trade back and then you take a quarterback later or take an offensive lineman or something like that and then uh i guess i guess i'd probably take a quarterback third overall but the problem with this is like i don't really believe in the in the people around the quarterback to succeed so i think it's a pretty terrible not a great situation for a quarterback to go into and then what i don't like obviously is uh the head coach doesn't really have much experience uh, or no experience at all developing a quarterback. So I don't really trust that the uh, new coaching staff and the new front office people will make the right decision here at the third overall pick um, to put the third overall pick in the best position to succeed. But uh, with that, I know you haven't dived into too much film or anything like that, but uh, what is your initial instincts on the uh, third overall pick to maybe get the uh, franchise back in the right direction? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm still – I'm sorry for being so negative about the head coaching thing. I, I do like Gerard Mayo as a person, as a player – so I'm, I'm hoping I'm very much, very, very, very much hoping for success there, and hoping that I'm wrong, and I'm hoping that he's the greatest head coach to ever grace a football field. But we'll see. Um, and I'm still optimistic about the third pick, but I think any, 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 any other solution, any move besides just drafting a QB at third overall, don't even care what QB it is at this point. It needs to be a QB at third overall. Don't trade the pick. Don't get cute. Don't don't take a left tackle. Don't take Marvin Harrison Jr. Just take the QB at third overall. Is the only move that the Patriots can do. Um, and I, there's one other move that I could be maybe talked into, but I still don't like it. And I'll, I'll talk. I'm not going to go on for too long here. But the and I like Jaden Daniels. He's the guy that I would pick if I was in charge, third overall. I think he's a stud, Heisman winner. I think it's a no-brainer. The guy's a great athlete, good arm, SEC. Heisman winner, best stats that I've seen in college football since Joe Burrow. Like the guy's a stud, um, and I like the way he plays. And that's he's the type of guy that would kind of electrify the fan base and um, bring. He'd be the new. He'd be a great face for the organization. I think he's just a complete shift in everything, and it'd be an exciting time for the franchise to bring in Jaden Daniels. Uh, and he's the type of guy with his legs. I think he can succeed with a poor supporting cast more so than a guy like Bo Nix or something or uh, Penix or J.J. McCarthy, if that's the guy we take. I don't think those guys are set up to succeed in a team with a bad supporting cast in year one. McDaniels, um, I think. I think the supporting cast, I think if you have have the ability to run the way he does, I think he, it's a game-breaking ability. And I think... uh, Daniels has game-breaking potential, similar to like RG3 is rookie year maybe, is who I'd compare it to. 
um, where went into a horrible, horrible team, brought them to the playoffs because of his ability to run. And it was, it was, it was an exciting time for, and I know it ended poorly, um, but injuries and personality issues kind of a lot to do with that and egos and whatnot. So yeah, I think he's the answer, but really any QB I'd be happy with. Um, and I think, one, I think the idea that drafting a left tackle or a wide out in signing a veteran QB, I think is a horrible idea. I will die on this hill because these options that the vet QB options are Kirk Cousins coming off an Achilles, which nobody's no new head coach is staking their career on a guy that is 35 with a torn Achilles. It's not going to happen. Uh, so that's unrealistic, but maybe. Um, Russell Wilson. I my opinions on Russell Wilson have been stated many times on this podcast. The guy's no good, um, but I think he's an option if they're going to bring in a vet QB. Bring Jimmy G back, maybe. Uh, I don't even know who else is out there. Those are the three that come to mind, but it's pretty bleak. You sign one of those guys. Say you sign Russ. You draft Marvin Jr. You sign Russ. Whatever. Say best case scenario with Russ, who by the way was benched this year for Jared Stidham. Uh, he's been on two teams in two years, but he'll be on his third team in three years or four years. Sorry. Sorry. Four years. I forgot an extra year in there. Uh, he widely regarded as probably one of the worst leaders in the sport. None of his former teammates like him. Um, I mean, there's no such, like, I don't, there's no player in the league who has a worse reputation as a locker room guy than Russell Wilson right now. And his on-field performance has not been great either. Uh, and he's old. He's, what, 37? Going to be 37 this season, 36? But hypothetically, he leads you to an 11-win season somehow, some way, with this supporting cast, with Marvin, I guess. Somehow you win 11 games. Probably lose to Mahomes or Josh Allen or whoever in, round, in the wild card round or maybe get a wild card win against somebody not so good and lose in the divisional round. You're either going to have to extend Russell Wilson – to a contract at 37, 38 years old at that point, that it's going to be an awful contract. There's no way to justify it. And your ceiling is still capped out at 10, 11 wins that you somehow squeaked out. So you say you extend him two years, two years, maybe you win 10 games, but most likely you're probably going nine and seven or worse, especially in this division. The division is tough, uh, especially with Aaron Rodgers back. Uh, it's not. It's not going to be. You're not going to be a juggernaut with Russell Wilson under center. You're not going to even be a real contender. You're going to be a fringe playoff team at best. And then he retires, or the contract's up in two years. And then what? Then you're back to square one after not really accomplishing anything of note. But Robert Kraft sold some tickets and sold some jerseys, so I'm worried that's a path that he might go down. Option two: you sign Russell Wilson, you win six games, you miss playoffs. It's another horrible season. The franchise at this point is a joke. Um, every single good thing about this franchise, gone. Uh, First-year head coach Gerard Mayo looks like a disaster hire, but you're kind of locked into him because you fired the greatest coach of all time for him uh, and without interviewing anyone else. And now what? You let Russell Wilson walk after you had, a, had him on a one-year deal because you won six games and he was terrible but your draft pick's not as good. The QB class isn't as good. Then what? What are you going to do? I don't, you draft a QB at 10 or trade up and give up a bunch of future assets to trade up, you're, you're back to square one. 
Um, but at least you have a good QB or a good wide receiver one in Marvin Jr. But by the time Marvin Jr. is ready for that contract extent, by the time the QB that you draft next year after winning six games is, you know, a franchise QB, you hope, probably not, you hope, and is ready to win playoff games, Marvin Jr. is holding out for a second contract. There's no good scenario here. So I think, and then the trade down thing, getting cute with it. Oh, well, what if we trade down to the 25th pick and whatever of the top six QBs remain, we draft. Why would you do that? Why? That's what we did with Mac. We waited for the top four QBs to go, and Mac fell to us. And we were like, oh, oh there's Mac. That's our guy. We'll take the scraps. We'll take the, the last guy on the scrap heap. Find a QB you like. Draft him at three. Don't overthink it. Face of the franchise. Move forward with that guy. He's your guy. And anything else is an overthink. What do you think? What do you think? That's what I'm at. And I want a QB, and I'm excited for it. And I really hope it goes that way. Yeah, I think I would definitely go for a quarterback at three, but I would entertain offers from other teams if they're going to give us future first-round picks in future years. Uh, it's not like we're going from three to 25 and nothing else. But what are you going to do? I mean, who's, who realistically is offering you a trade-up, the Steelers? Um, I think you could – The uh, I saw the Vikings might need somebody. Maybe the Falcons need somebody. Maybe the uh, – the uh, Raiders, the Raiders are going to need somebody. The Broncos are going to need somebody. I don't know. There's some teams like in the nine to fifteen range that might need somebody. Well, and likely at the end of the day, you're still going to be. You're still not going to have a, another. T- what do you believe in next year's QB class? Right at this point in time. Um. Yes, yeah, so that that's the only issue with trading down is that there's no good, no good quarterback from QB four to QB seven or something but like i mean the dolphins traded down i think and they i mean they use those pick they use like a pick to get one of those picks that the 49ers give them to get like tyree kill and bradley chubb so like you can still turn those picks into into something else um i don't, I don't know i mean i guess the patriots are kind of handcuffed because their roster is just so bad that they need to i think in there you said robert wants to put fans in the seat so you kind of have to sell a, a top three quarterback i mean you can't really i mean the lions I think they drafted Penny Sewell. I mean, that that kind of worked out, and they found a way to get well, a quarterback. So I think if you take like attack, I mean, you do need offensive alignment at some point. When the Lions took Penny Sewell, though, they had their former first overall pick franchise QB that they traded for another first overall pick Super Bowl appearance quarterback. But there, there, there's no, we don't have a Matt Stafford to trade right now. In my, there's no. I think this is our only path to a QB. That's potentially that has like maybe you can argue that you can definitely argue that Penix and Bonex and JJ McCarthy have in some capacity, maybe it's a 0.01% could be a superstar quarterback. You could definitely argue that, but I think Jaden Daniels at third overall is a better percentage shot to take a better dart throw percentage wise to be a superstar QB that will allow you to compete someday with Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, etc., than Bonex is or Drew Allar, whoever you trade back and draft next year. I just I think if the goal is to compete with Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, you got to take a shot on an elite talent. And I think Drake May or whatever, if he falls, or Jaden Daniels, I think those two guys have the potential to become superstar QBs. And who knows? It's always a dart throw. It's always a crapshoot. 
But percentage-wise, I just I can't get behind a trade down. And I, I think the Lions philosophy thing is a bit flawed because they had a franchise QB that had immense trade value that they traded for a guy who was considered a franchise QB. It was also first overall pick along with another. Like, we just don't have – we don't have that right now. We don't we don't have that first overall pick QB. We don't have that franchise QB. And I know that first overall pick or whatever top three picks historically have not won a ton with the team that drafted them. I mean, even Matt Stafford didn't win anything until he went to the Rams. But um, I just I, – I think you need to get a guy of that stature in the building. And if he's a bust, agreed, you're screwed. You're screwed. Sets you back like five years. You're in trouble. But – I don't think I think the best case scenario with Jaden Daniels or Drake May at three is so the ceiling is so much higher there than the trade down, play it safe, build slow with like a left tackle and whatever. Like the ceiling of Joe Alt, the ceiling of a trade down and take Bonex or whoever or take a guy next year, it's just way lower across the board than the ceiling of maybe you land a superstar QB because like I, like, I think about Joe Burrow going to the Bengals. Horrible situation. That team was a mess. That O-line was a disaster. They're in the Super Bowl three years later. Or two years. Was it three years later? Two years later? Whatever. Um, in CJ Stroud this year, who I did not believe in going into the drafts, and I was wrong, uh, went to the Texans. Horrible situation. Everyone, I don't think a soul thought CJ Stroud was going to succeed on the Texans year one. They make it to the playoffs. Like, I, I just think... If you hit on this guy, the great QB can mask a lot of problems. And I think that the ceiling there is so much higher than the ceiling of trading down and trying to build this roster by hitting on a bunch of picks like Penesuel. And you got to hit on those picks also, which that's not a guarantee, especially considering the history of the people that are in charge right now. They all got promoted after missing on Cole Strange. So I don't know. I think you got to, I think you just got to swing for the fences here and take the quarterback. I think it's high ceiling play. And what about uh, if you trade back? The only reason why I would consider trading back is there's just so many holes on the team that more draft capital can maybe address that. But what if you uh, trade back and then for quarterback, maybe go after Justin Fields? I guess the only thing that I don't like about Justin Fields is you have to have to pay him pretty soon. Uh, I'm not a huge believer in his game, but, I mean, he might be, like, a better quarterback than Rick May or Jaden Daniels when it's all said and done. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the one scenario that I said I could talk myself into was uh, taking Justin Fields. Or trading for Justin Fields and drafting Marvin Jr. And I forgot to bring that up. That is the one scenario that I could be talked into as a fan. But like you said, pretty sure, and maybe I need to be fact checked here, but I'm pretty sure in two to three years, you're going to have to pay Justin Fields like $45 million if he plays up to. So you trade for him. You want to do your franchise QB. Say he lives up to it. He's your franchise QB. He develops into the star that I think he has the natural ability to become. You have to pay him an obscene amount of money. And maybe it's worth it at that point. Maybe he's your franchise QB and maybe he contends with those guys, but the and maybe it works out. But I think I think that's I just it's a low percentage play. Like you you're pretty much like instead of getting five years on a rookie deal with Jaden Daniels or Drake May, you're getting like one year on a rookie deal with Justin Fields and Maybe, like, what if he does exactly what he did this year on the Patriots? Then what do you do? You're kind of stuck extending him. You don't really have another QB plan. Say he wins, like, nine games. Then you kind of have to extend him because, like, 
Uh, he's our guy. You give him like a two-year deal, kind of like what Tua got last year. Um, I, I think you kind of back yourself into a corner there. You don't give yourself enough time to see what Justin Fields is about on your team, away from the Bears. But I, I don't. I could be talked into it. I don't hate the Justin Fields idea. It's not as nightmarish as the Russell Wilson thing or trading down for a left tackle and waiting for next year to take a QB. I don't, I, I don't hate the Justin Fields idea if you draft Marvin Jr. third overall because then you still kind of get that new – you still get the new face of the franchise. You still kind of change the identity. You have your guy. You have your franchise QB. You have your superstar wide receiver, um, or at least you hope that's what he becomes. Um, but I, I think it can get shaky there if he if he doesn't. I don't know. I guess you could franchise tag him maybe a couple times in a row, but it's if he doesn't prove that he's a star or prove that he's not it after year one on the team, I think you're kind of backed into a corner if he just plays all right. Wins you nine games, what do you do? I don't know. You're kind of stuck. You have to pay him. And at that point, I don't know. What if he's 10th, 10th best QB in the league, 12th best QB in the league? You're kind of paying him. You don't really have a path to becoming some elite team that can contend with the Mahomeses of the world. Um, but you don't really have a uh, – There's you're kind of stuck in mediocrity at that point. So, I don't know. I'm not sold on it. I still I still want a QB at three. I guess we'll have uh, plenty of time to talk about that on our annual draft episode. I'm looking forward to it. Mel Kuyper, uh first mock draft said Drake made of the Patriots, I believe, right? Yeah, he had uh Jaden Daniels second overall. Yeah. Wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't hate it. I I I'd be very excited. I guess uh, I guess with the franchise QB. I guess last thing, are you a little worried that Patriots in a way like aren't making the draft pick at third overall and the draft pick is in a way being made for them, if that makes sense? Because Consensus one, two, three that I'm seeing obviously is Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then Jaden Daniels. So like, what if the Patriots aren't massive fans of Drake May, but then have to take him because Jaden Daniels goes second overall when they weren't like expecting it, for example? Um, in a way, I guess you can say that's that that's definitely concerning. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. Like, it's one of those things. Like, I remember the last time I remember this happening, at least, uh, the Dolphins definitely got, I don't know if bullies the right word, but, like, pressured into drafting Tua. Like, I don't know if you remember, but their owner promised that he was going to, they were going to tank and draft a QB before that season. Um, and everyone thought they were going to have the first overall pick. And they ended up getting, I don't know what pick they took Tua at, the third overall pick or something? Either four or five, yeah. Four or five, and... <laughs> I, I just remember there being some quotes that came out of that from their GM and their owner where it was like, it was pretty clear they didn't actually want Tua. They were kind of like, well, best QB available. He's our guy. We believe in him. Um, but he's not the guy they tanked for because uh, they didn't end up getting the first overall pick. So I, and I, I, I think Tua is not very good, but if you ask Dolphins fans, they would say that worked out and, at the end of the day, these are the guys that were in the building when they drafted Cole Strange, they drafted Taekwon Thornton, uh, they drafted Mac Jones, et cetera, et cetera. It's pretty much all the same people. So maybe it's for the best that we're getting bullied into a pick. Uh, and these guys, maybe they don't love this prospect, and maybe that's a good thing. Um, because they all thought Mac Jones was good. 
and Mac Jones certainly is not good. And I was a, I was a very much anti Mac Jones guy before that draft. I think I actually might have said that I think he's going to be the biggest bust of all time if he goes third overall to the 49ers, which that was hyperbole. That was me being dramatic, but I mean he's he's no good. And if he went third overall, he would have been a huge bust. Uh, he stinks. So um, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's not the worst thing in the world if these people aren't really making the decision and Twitter's making the decision for them or Mel Kuyper and his boys are bullying these people into making a quarterback choice at number three. Uh, because I, I don't think the draft history of the people in the building right now is all that great. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's all I got. And then obviously the, uh, not a lot of draft development history either of the actual players. Fair. Yeah, fair. That There has not been. But, I don't know. I, I'm really hopeful that we get a franchise QB. And I'm looking forward to the uh, draft episode. All right. Thanks for listening to the Biased Opinion Podcast. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back again soon with more episodes. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at biased underscore underscore opinion. Uh, we'll tweet every time we have a new episode. Uh, and you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So, thanks for listening. Bye.